Welcome to Sketch Magazine Podcast, hosted by Bill Nichols, Senior Editor of Sketch Magazine, John Wilson, Editor of Sketch Daily over at ComicRelated.com, and myself, Robert W. Hickey, Publisher of Sketch Magazine and Co-Founder of Blue Line. Come back after the music and find out what we have to offer in this episode. What's up, creators? This is John, and you've once again located the Sketch Magazine podcast. I am here, as always, with sketch editor Bill Nichols, sketch publisher Bob Hickey, and tonight we're going to do a Q&A in a different way. We are answering the questions of just one person, that person being Thomas Cosby. Tom sent us a long letter uh, recently, and we have decided that we want to go point by point through his letter and answer some questions for him. But before we jump into that, as always, I have to ask, how you doing tonight, guys? Doing okay, John. Hey, John. It's Bob. Doing great, bud. Fantastic. And no one ever seems to know how to answer that question. You'd think nearly 50 times Maybe. we'd have that down, but who knows? All right. So <laughs> going back to Tom's letter. Well, as I said, Tom was gracious enough to put a whole bunch of questions before us. So the first one we're going to jump into is selecting the right genre for your story. Um, so let's put that out there. What? Well, that's kind of an open-ended question because I suppose the kind of story would mean the kind of genre. But I'll let you guys run with that. What kind of genre... Or what kind of style of art, conversely, would be best to tell a particular type of story? Hmm. That would probably be a better take on that question. Because, you're, as you've said, you're, um, the genre of the story really depends on what you're writing about. Unless you want to try something different and mix things up, like science fiction and steampunk and all that. Um, but really, the style of the storytelling, the art is something that really you really have to consider if you're going to, to um, either do it yourself or if you're going to collaborate with someone else, that's really something you're going to have to look at because you may team up with somebody. You may have a style that's very clean in mind, very, uh, say, straight Marvel or DC, you know, very straightforward storytelling, but you hook up with somebody who maybe gives you something like a, uh, that's a little bit more, I don't know, scratchy, a little bit more rough, a little bit more, it's very visceral, very, you know, emotionally charged. Um, but that's something you really have to balance. Is that, is that what you want to do? Are you willing to, to look beyond your own vision and encompass someone else's vision in yours? So, that is a personal choice with you as a creator. You know, is it is it a markable choice? Possibly, will that factor in? Is this something that could be unique or something awesome? That's potentially something you have to look for, because some people are so tied into their own vision that they don't see anyone else's. So, um, good question. What do you think? Well. I'm lucky in creating my own stuff is because we have so many different types of story that I can look at somebody's art and say, ooh, Bill, they would look good on this. And, you know, I recently did that with Brian Level. Um, I'd seen his art, and he really was getting to that daredevil, gritty look, you know, and I was, like, thinking, ooh, Darkness Chronicles, Darkness Chronicles. So we had him do the pinup, you know, and the, the jam piece for the Who's Who book. And I love his stuff. I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely I love his stuff on that. And uh, but you know I do I have a sort a fixed, I guess sort of a fixed feel on certain like genres. Like you know you think of a superhero is sort of clean, but that's not always true because then you go into a Batman or or a Daredevil that is darker you know so it really depends there you know like you said it depends on the story you know gritty scratchy artwork more pencil type stuff linear stuff lends to that darker type storytelling that 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 genre of you know the 
the mysteries, you know, you, you want a romance, you might want, you know, be a much cleaner line, less shadowing, be more to the coloring or the, or the, or the shading. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, that's my feel on it. Is there a set one? No, a lot of times you'll get an artist who has this style and this is your story. And by the time you guys connect up, you've created this whole third thing. You know what I mean? We've done that, Bill, mm -hmm. on projects. Um, yep. So definitely I don't think there's a preconceived genre for a story or you, we would never had a Daredevil that was as dark and gritty as we've had here recently or Batman wouldn't have gotten so dark and, and, and you know, hardcore. So, Well, I, I may have brought this up before, but if you remember Electro Assassin. Yep. It was oh, Frank Miller and uh, Bill Sienkiewicz. Yes. And in an interview, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz said he's telling the – Frank's telling the irrational part of the story. I figure it's my job to do the irrational story or something like that. He, and, uh, he did with that one. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I saw I saw those pages. I mean, he was selling them at Chicago that year. Uh-huh. Um, I think it was like 750 for a page or two for 500 bucks. Um Wow, I mean, there were, I mean, it was cool to see him up close, and, you know, right. just, just to see him in person. But, but, um, you know, I, sometimes that's hard to, you know, make that leap, or make that leap of trust, really, in another creator. Sometimes, especially if the if it is divergent from what you're thinking that it's going to be, or maybe your own style. Like, you know, Frank Miller doesn't have have anybody tell him how to draw or anything, but. Um, Maybe he had something else in mind, but it, like I said, it takes a, a leap of faith to go. Well, let's let's see what happens. I trust this other person. Right. Let's go and and look what happens. I mean, it's some people just really it, it turn people off. But you have to look beyond sometimes what you're yep. comfortable with, and it, I, I probably was a little bit in some ways because you're expecting one thing and then it's, but you know, really just reading it through and giving it a chance. You, you know, you can find some treasures and stuff. Oh, yeah. Now, you know, another part of this question is art best tell its story type. And mm -hmm. I do think when you keep think of superheroes, you think of a cleaner style. You think of a more open style format, don't you think? Not saying you can't get busy backgrounds or or that, but, you know, the character's more open, open style format. And But the funny thing on the flip side of that is last week I picked up a graphic novel that DC finally brought out called Legion Lost. It was an old Legion of Superhero story. And uh, is it Francis Coppell? Oliver Coppell, I guess it's C-O-I-P-E-L. Oh, Olivier. Olivier. Olivier uh, Coppell, yeah. Olivier. Well, this is his early work. This is before Siege and all that stuff. They're like 10 years ago. His style is so ununiformed, how I can put it. His shading is just off. It's not the clean stuff that we were used to from Image. It was very scratchy. But all the art was solid. But here he is on one of the prominent superhero books. And he's got this real gritty, loose feel. So, you know, DC took a chance, but also by taking a chance on him, they threw it way out there in a different type of story. But absolutely, when that came out, I was, I was loving it. I loved the difference in it. So there's not, a, I don't think there has to be a certain style, except for what you feel like you want to use for the, your story. Correct. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't think the reader the reader's gonna if the reader's gonna grab onto it, it's gonna be what you offer them as far as the story and the art. So, you know, if some like I said, D C took a chance on that. A lot of publishers try different things. So, you know, I, I don't think yeah. there is a half to formula. There's not a formula to it. Is there anything that you shouldn't run together like can you do a noir style uh, from a funny animal perspective, or you know? It would be different, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. There's, I don't think there's a problem with standing out, making your stuff look a little different, little, little, yeah, like I said, noir style to a funny animal humor type thing. I don't Kinda see like it. Rat, yeah, sort of I don't think you yeah. could take a. 
Scooby Doo story and do it that way, and expect you're people like a to serious Scooby Doo. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's going to be different. It's going to be a different yeah. take on it. It's not going to be your yeah. your, your cartoon animated looking Scooby Doo. You know what I mean? So yeah, it definitely becomes almost a a whole different uh, project. Right. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Archies and. and sure, you know when they did the real looking Archies, what they did a couple years ago, mm-hmm. when they upgraded for a little while and they changed the whole style and look of it. I did not like that at all. Yeah, Archie has an Archie style, and that's an awesome style. So, I've seen some um, sort of manga, like X Men, and some other things, and sometimes that works. Mm-hmm. But I've also seen some people draw some things in that style, and it wasn't so much ended up not being so much the style that didn't work, but the actual level of talent, maybe. Right. Um, it just didn't fit. And that left that bit left me cold. So it's not hard. It's not, you know it's not hard to imagine things done in another genre or uh, style or whatever. But well, for some people it is, I guess. But <laughs> but um, you know it, the outcome may be better than you thought. You know that you're thinking it's going to be. But again, that's just like with any other time you collaborate with someone else. It's it's going to be that, right? Because you could have someone who you have a superhero story, like I said, a very straightforward superhero story, and an artist who's very straight superhero story uh, minded. And uh, I don't know, maybe the the end is a little lacking because it is just straight superhero stuff. And maybe you want to mix it up a little bit, and maybe you can take that chance. Sometimes you benefit from that. Mm-hmm. That's the way it is in life. Take a chance. Take a chance. Well, that that actually sort of leads into the next question. Um, Tom was wondering about ways to set the pacing of the story, how to pass the time in the story, how to either speed up or slow down, um, how the reader reads the story. Well, that's in the art and a lot. I mean, yes, it's in the story in your outline. Mm-hmm. And usually what I, I'm a big thing of, a big fan of thumbnails. And, uh, if, for example, I'm writing a story, I will sometimes just, I will, uh, I'll, I'll number the page. However, you know, a line notebook piece of paper, the number of pages I have, and I will write maybe something specific that happens, you know, because because you want it to build, and you don't want your you know your your high points to be at the very beginning of the book because everything from there is downhill, and at that point it's like why well, read the rest of it, you know, energy wise. So you want it to build to the climax of the story, and then you know you have your uh, after stuff, but you you wrap up and then, or maybe you're, you're lead into the next issue. But with, um, preparation, because I know people and I've, you know, talked to people before that I know and, and have done things with or, or counseled or gurued or whatever, mentored. Yes. Um, uh, working things out small, saves you a lot of time if you're just if you just think well I'm, it's a 24 page story maybe and just sit down and start drawing that 24 pages because by the time you get to page 6 you're going to look back at page 1 and go ooh maybe I should do something else here because I'm getting ahead of myself or you know I'm already you know at the big fight scene on page 6 and I need to draw it out to page you know 18, 19, 20 etc. It's a long fight scene yeah Hey, hey. Doesn't have to, doesn't have to be too long. No. I tell you, some of the best writers out there that, that pacing a story and setting it up, Bill, we know him um, pretty well. Well, Keith Giffen, I, I've talked to him several times, but Tom and Mary Beerbombs, who worked underneath Kiff, um, they are some of the best as far as, you know, they do talking heads to slow things down. They do the standard nine-panel pages of talking heads and 
there was a lot of information in those pages, but it slowed the story down and moved into the next, you know, next thing, whether it's a fight or an action scene or a development of a character coming out. You know, so they were fantastic. Good thing Tom writes for Sketch Magazine, by the way. Throw that in there. Um, and that that's not the reason I brought him up. But as soon as we started talking about pacing, my first thoughts with Keith Giffen, Tom Mary Beerbaum, they were wonderful with it. Um, they were they they are great to giving you a complete story in a comic. And that's no jab at some of the other hot writers nowadays, but these guys think in six-issue story arcs, you know, a lot. They think of the finished trades, and, and it's probably what they're asked to think of nowadays. But um, Tom and Larry, they were great at the pacing. Wonderful. Right. And, and one of the things I like, if you notice now, Keith Giffen still, on some of the things, he will do the breakdowns. Yep. Yep, I'm nailed out. Yeah, and like 52 and some other things I've seen some, maybe some art that he has um, broken the story down and for, because some things, especially if you have multiple people tackling multiple parts of it mm-hmm. um, to keep a continuity and yeah, he's, he's really good about that. I mean, there are others too, but um, that's a, I guess a signature thing of his and, mm-hmm. Let's have more of that. Yes. Especially if it moves the story along. So pacing's important. Um, I think Bill's right. You want to sort of sit down and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to write. And Bill, I, I see people, are, they're going to move more into the 15-page comics because they're going to move more into the digital delivery. You're going to give up right. 15 pages for 99 cents more than 24 or whatever. And then, you know, 615 breaks down to a 90-page graphic novel. So... Digitally, I think that's so. I think you're gonna have stories move along a little quicker. Um, you know, you're gonna open up, set, reset your scene, move the characters along, an event, then start wrapping up towards and leading to the next issue. Um, I think things are gonna happen like that a lot more than than in the past. We're gonna see the next couple of years. So pacing and telling stories is very important. Like Bill says, don't. I mean, unless it's part of the story, open up a scene in the middle of a fight, which I've done that before. Um, but, you know, it's the way that story opens. So um, pace yourself. It's very important. Using give, give, plenty of, So many people don't give the talking heads anymore. <laughs> and that doesn't, you know, it really helps develop those characters. How else are you going to know who those characters are and what they're thinking? Um, or who they are, you know, and what they're about in the story if you don't give more fact to the talking heads, you know, stuff. So I think that's important. You guys have mentioned in the past about the, uh, the page turners or the moving left to right. Uh, right. I've heard them called a few different things, but having that panel at the bottom of the page that makes the reader want to turn the page. Yes. Uh, can one of you hit on that again briefly for people who don't know what that is? Go ahead, <laughs> well, you want to tell a story with the art. This is basically, and but the the um, the writers got to set it up for the artist. Um, you want story move left to right. This is you know a lot in your setup and your art, keeping things moving. You want to flow the characters back down the next set of panels and across, and you want to set up to make that make that reader want to flip that page, or <laughs> and digitally go to the next page. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost like, in digitally, every page is going to be that. And traditional comics, every two pages, because you open up with, you have two pages every time you open up a comic, just about. But you want to keep them moving along in the story. You want to keep it, you know, it's like the the, uh, the Z pattern, they call it. You know, read left to right, mm-hmm. bring them back down, read left to right again, and then give them that little cliffhanger, that little response, that little something that want to make me, ah, oh, damn, i got to read it, what's next, and flip it over. Right, because so, even from page to page, from panel to panel, you're you are pushing the reader and the the story forward. So, um, yes, you're you're enticing them to turn the page or to go to that next digital page, but it's also there is an art to uh, doing that bridge to making one page go into the next without some you know the sort of abrupt, unless it's a change of scene or something like that. You want it to go. Sometimes that's done with dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, a, 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 a caption may start on one page, 
and end on another and it's a different scene it's it's the next scene and it's maybe a voiceover in a way if it was a movie or a tv show right um uh, there's i mean you gotta think of that with covers too jackie and i go back and forth on the first clay'sway cover she had the characters facing to the left i was like opening books on the right you know I want these characters looking towards the opening. They want, they're going to make them move across the logo, one, but it makes them to want to open that book up. So you look at a lot of covers, and done right, there's something there moving you towards the opening of that book. Mm-hmm. Um, so even on the covers, you want to think about left to right. Some way. I'm not saying you have to face all your characters to the right, but some type of movement, some swoop, some, something there has got to bring me to the opening of that book to open it up. So, you gotta get all that in your head. Try to remember it when you sit down and rough things up for the. If you're a writer, when you rough it up for the artist, or if you're an artist, think about, well, what if I did this to make it flow better? So, very important. And um, next, Tom uh, couches this actually in a coloring question, but uh-huh. I, I think this opens up in a different way. Of his question is, how do you successfully pull off a black and white comic? Uh, you both have been doing that particular thing for quite a while now. Um, so maybe you can explain why, other than the obvious reason of it's cheaper, <laughs> uh, why why do a black and white comic over, say, a fully colored comic? It's cheaper. It's cheaper. <laughs> That's uh, it. It's just cheaper. I tell you why. I want to really try. And Bill, I don't know if you've seen any of the Walking Dead comics. Have you seen any of those? No. I have to send you a trade. Um, th- John, you've seen them. Oh, yeah. Um, they pull off black and white better than any comic out there right now because I- I'm sure it's all digital, but you could do this with a light wash. But if you look at that comic and the way they use the the, sh- the gray shades, you know, flesh tone always have a little bit of gray on them so they stand out. Maybe some of the clothes are white. Um the zombies seem to be a lot more detailed. Um, the use of the shading, um, some cloud patterns in the background or, or separation. Not so much digitally done. Most of this could be done with washes. Um, I'm really impressed with that book and the way they pull off the black and white in that book. You know, that book started out, they didn't think it was going to make it. And hell, he's got a TV series now. But when he started off, they did it as cheap as they could. It looked great. Um, it just it blows me away. That book does. It's not that real heavy gray wash or grays of like the mm-hmm. old Marvel magazines and stuff that we right. had way in the, in the day. It's a real light effect, but it, it gives something to the depth of a page. Um, so it's definitely a way to pull it off. Um, I I noticed earlier. You, he asked if you could do marker color pencils and stuff in his color. Sure. Yeah. There's no reason. There's people out there, believe it or not, who still hand paint pages. Not everything's done digitally. Um, what? Rock, yes. <laughs> um, the devil, you say. Yeah. Um, definitely. Rock and roll. Uh, play with it. Get the effects that you want to give. Um, the washes, the colored pencils, the watercolor pencils, you know, the gouches, the Dr. Martin dyes. There's definitely heavily in there. Get in there and play with it. Create your own style. So yeah, there's a there's a difference, and there, especially during say back in the the day when we we had the implosion and all that, where you know there was a different there was a difference between a black and white book that was done in black and white specifically for or um, a book that was, uh, well, it was just too cheap to, you know, it couldn't print in color. Uh-huh. You know, and there was a different difference. And, I don't know, in style and quantity and quality and, you know, of your orders and stuff like that, those things were, because I remember seeing some and you just knew that they were meant to be colored. So if you're going to do a black and white book, if that's your, your goal, yeah, do it. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it. Uh-oh. I mean, Cerebus was straight black and white with Zipatone, a little bit of Zipatone, but it was strictly black and white book. And did how many, what, 300 issues? Yeah. Uh, ElfQuest started out black and white. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they moved into color later, and then they recolored the black and white stuff. But the beginning it was strictly black and white. Um, it was a different time. So right. now you do have digital. Now digital is cheap. You can use any early version of Photoshop just about that does layers to color with. And with digital publishing, color, I go back and forth. I think it does not have to be color if it's a good story and it's clean artwork. Mm-hmm. Or honestly, Walking Dead would not be successful if it had not been for Tony's artwork and good story. Because it was just, at that point, it was just another zombie story. You agree, John? Absolutely. You know, um, well, with Tony, Tony is a special case anyway. I mean, his all his work is so very, very detailed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no matter what he's doing. But but even the Walking Dead stuff was a much more open thing. Yeah. Until he yeah, drew well, the zombies. <laughs> the zombies yeah, exactly. he'd go nuts on. Yeah. But the humans was a real open style. The backgrounds were rather open. You know, it's right, great yeah. looking stuff. And, and the grades were worked very well. And I think they've gotten better and better. Were they up to like 80, 80 issues or something like that now? Walking Dead? Something like that. I'm not sure who's drawing there. it. But so, yeah. Cliff, I forget who it is. Um, somebody. Somebody. But, um, yeah, I mean, so you don't have to have color. It's not a, not a must. Well, it looks like the... The next two questions, one is specifically for Bob, Scan. and one is specifically for Bill. Yep. Bob, you get scanning work, because mm-hmm. that's kind of your baby. Uh, way, ways of using a regular 8.5 by 11 scanner without that annoying little ghosty indentation line. Right. That's all on you. 11 by 17, don't scan two times, scan three times, just keep it square. Scan... Lay your page in there sideways, you know, the eight, the uh, 11 by 17. Scan as much as the top as you can. Move the page to the center. Hold your lid down. Put that pressure against that page. Hold it as flat to the glass as you can. I know there's a little edge there, but hold it as tight as down. Scan the center. Move the page all the way to the left. Flush it. Scan the bottom. Open all three up in Photoshop. Now, your center scans should overlap your first and your second scans. Start putting it together. Take your first scan, enlarge the image to 11 by 17. Keep that as layer one. Make a copy of your second scan. Drop it in. Zoom in. Move it around to where it's exactly matching. If they've all three scanned at the same size, it should go right over it. Open up your third scan. Put it in. Again, you want to move it behind your center scan. So now it becomes your second layer. Your center scan is your third layer. This should give you a pretty clean, and you can even do this in grayscale if you do a nice little contrast to it. Now in grayscale, if you contrast something, you want to contrast all three pieces, not one. Because then you're going to have darker pencils, lighter pencils, darker pencils, or something like that. So you've got to be careful how you do that. Um, but that's a way to use an 8 by 11 scanner. And try to get rid of that gray area by doing it in three pieces. Um, I've, I've, I've scanned colored paintings this way, guys. Sometimes you might have to go in there and do a little edging, do a little fuzzing where, that, where it might be a little line. But all in all, at 11 by 17, then you take it down to print size, it, it looks pretty clean. So that wasn't hard. I've done that, that several times. Easy. As you can tell. <laughs> Didn't understand a word you said, but well, oh, I'm wasn't sorry. hard at all. No, I'm I'm just kidding. It was very good. Okay. Uh, Bill, this one's on you. Way to fix a scratchy pen nib, and mm. what makes that happen? Well, I'm guessing maybe a Hunt 102. Probably. No, that's, that's what I use. Uh, if it after a while, that you know, depending on how much pressure you you do the the the, um, the tip will separate, and some and just like anytime you use like two two page two pages of say um, paper if you're writing a report or something you know they may not 
not all paper's the same, not all ink is the same, not all whatever, but, you know, I've gotten batches of um, pen nibs, and that's my solution is to buy a box. If one doesn't work, switch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I've had some just recently that, I mean, yeah, they're old, but they're, it's metal, so it's not like it's, you know, it's, you know, faded with, you know, the strength, is tensile strength of the nib is faded or any of that. But, um, after just maybe a page of using it, it seems like it was spreading just you know too quickly for me, and it, I wasn't get the, getting the line. And sometimes it's all it, maybe had that part of that too was like when I was in a, in a groove, you can just sort of feel it, and uh, it's, you can almost use a you know pen as a brush, you know the, the brush pen as a, as a brush kind of feel, mm-hmm. and. As an anchor, that can be a really special feeling. Um, doesn't happen a lot sometimes. Sometimes it just feels like a, you know. Oh, no. No, no. Skype just got Bill. Please hold on. We will <laughs> get him back in here. All right. Let's get Bill back. Hey, you dropped. Who? You were, in, you were in a groove and you dropped. Sometimes you feel like a what? Because huh. that's where it drops. Sometimes you feel like uh, a boom, gone. <laughs> hmm. Sometimes I guess you feel like a groove. You're in a groove. <laughs> and you fall off Maybe. the podcast? Yeah, well, I, mean, I wouldn't do anything different. It's weird. All right, so, so let the fans know Skype got Bill, but we got him right back on. That's hey. right. All right. Um, I got I got a little add to Bill's thing there. Let me get back right. to it. Um, okay. He says scratchy, which makes me think how he's using the nib. Because if he's pushing it upwards, the paper itself can give you a scratchy feel to your nib. Mm-hmm. And it's not always your nib. Depends on what kind of paper he's using. Right. Um, also, a lot of times can be the ink, Bill. Thinness of the ink, thickness of the ink. And most inkers like a thicker ink, so it doesn't spread out so much once it hits the paper. So right. um, you want to really look at the ink that you're dipping and you're using, too. Um, we've run into that several times lately because it seems like some of the inks are getting thinned out more and more, and uh, it's inkers are finding creative ways to thicken them up for their use. So, yeah, uh, yeah, uh-huh. I, I, I mentioned before that on the Yahoo uh, Inkwell um, group, they, that's they will they will compare things that they've done, whether it's inks or um, with brushes and stuff, everybody has their own way of cleaning something or thinning something out or preparing the paper kind of thing. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's paper has something to do with it. If it has fibers in it, it'll mm-hmm. uh, it'll get um, it'll pull those fibers into the tip, and you got to be sure to clean it up. Otherwise, you have a big clump on your um, on your page where you touch it. Unless you want that style. Yeah. And, you know, who yeah. wants stippling? Not me. Um, That's right. <laughs> what kind uh, of paper should they be using, uh, you know, ultimately, or Bristol. the best kind of paper? Bristol? Yeah. yeah. You want to use uh, either a Blue Line Premier or you want to use a Strathmore. And inking-wise, I, I would ask for a slick surface. It's going to be a smooth surface, but it's going to depend on what your penciler likes also. So... Yeah. Um, if and they use a texture service, then you're just going to have to fight it. Yeah. And, yeah. and the cheaper the paper or the, um, maybe not so much the cheaper, but the, uh, the lesser grades paper of, of paper, like in some of the sketchbooks that you get, say at, you know, a department store or something, mm-hmm. it may say the same thing as I was, I was looking at, um, I don't know, vellum or something. Well, back because some of the Ursula things I'm going to ink on vellum, mm-hmm. um, so that I can, you know, I can ink them instead of having to have you print them out for me in blue line and stuff. Right. And uh, I was looking at another paper company, uh, looking at their vellum, and it was cheaper. the The pad itself was cheaper, but then I started looking at the the quality of. Um, the vellum itself, it, they both said the same thing. It was the same weight and everything else, but one was more 
see-through. It was more durable. It was a higher grade. Um, so, I mean, it's just like anything else. You have to compare whether you're buying, you know, a can of green beans or, you know, cuts of meat at the, you know, the supermarket. You got to compare. You got to actually, you know, put some, yeah, you know, and play around. Yep. That's one of the great things about discovery and and you know, discovering your artistic self sometimes is is playing around with your tools and your. Sometimes you can find something that you like to do or that you didn't think you could do or that didn't think that you could pull off. And sometimes it's in those minutes of inspiration that you make those steps up, Mm -hmm. um, up the, the, um, the ladder or whatever, you know, to the, you know, your next artistic plateau. Mm-hmm. You stumble and, across a cool method or something that right. you can do that you pull off that looks pretty cool. Um, right. A big thing is I this came in a recent con. Somebody showed me a piece of artwork and says, "Man, I'm really having trouble getting ink to work here." And I looked at the pencils and oh my, the guy had like he just oh, there must have been like a quarter of an inch of lead on this pen. <laughs> the oh, two wow. just laid in, drew and drew and drew and laid in black and everything. I was like. First thing I would do is take a kneaded eraser to this before I even attempted to ink it, because he had so much graphite between the ink and the paper. Right, it's it, gonna stick. Exactly, a paper is like a sponge, and that's what people has got to understand. Cheaper paper, uh, you know, no matter what, the paper is going to absorb the ink. Um, it's not going to be like a vellum. It's not going to dry on top. It's going to absorb the ink some. So, of course, a good, a better paper, a harder paper, will allow the ink to lay more clean. A cheaper paper will absorb the ink and that will cause spread. But you also got to look at the pencils. You might want to go in with a kneaded eraser and lighten the pencils up a little bit before you try to ink. I'm not saying erase stuff out, but just pull some of that graphite off of it to make it easier for you to ink. So, I've done that a few times. On a pencil, it just really just laid in the lead. So, um, but you know what? Nowadays, I we even you know we're talking about nibs, but I I see tons of people using tech pens and pulling off nib styles. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with that. What you want at the end of the day is a look. How have you pulled off fountain nibs, traditional mapping nibs, tech pens, throwaways. You can pull it off, pull it off. Yeah. Sounds good. Should we um should we continue or we, there are a couple more. Well, let's briefly go over I think the education thing, I think we can go over that briefly. Yeah, I think Because you know, I, I don't think there's unfortunately there's a whole lot out there. Well that's true. Um and I, I suppose I can probably mm-hmm contribute more to this um well as far as advanced education which i assume you mean college um i would say if you're aspiring to be a penciler you you have to go take life drawing classes yes that's the first thing i thought of yeah you have to go be able to draw people yeah uh you know you have to you have to be able to make people look realistic you have to be able to change uh be able to make people look different you know, you have to be able to draw different people, not have the same, everything you draw look like the same person with a different hairstyle. Yep. So that's probably number one. Um, for an inker. Well, actually, no, let's back up. It's okay. not bad to do sceneries either because you're going to well, be forced sure, to yeah. do perspectives. Whether you really know you're doing perspectives, you don't. But you are if you're if you're doing sceneries or you know buildings you know you draw this old building out in this big forest you're forced yeah. to draw that or paint that building in some type of perspective or it's going to look real flat so you learn a lot not so much as one point two point three point perspectives but you learn a lot of perspectives by doing that kind of stuff scenery Maybe. stuff like that and the use yeah. of colors it's not bad to understand the use of colors when you're drawing. And to separate things, too, you know? Well, yeah. I was thinking maybe for perspective, they might want to take a really basic uh, architecture, Mm -hmm. course drafting, Mm -hmm. something like that. Uh, 
inking, I'm going to have to jump over for a second because I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, for a colorist, I would say painting. Yep. Uh, just get out there and, you know, uh, hit a painting class. Hit, you know. Learn traditional colors. Right, right. Once learn learn color theory. It's color theory, you can do anything. Yeah. Yeah, once you've got color theory, you're And learn, take computer class. Right, well, yeah, anymore, you pretty much have to uh, know how to do at least the coloring digitally, if not more. Yep. Then as far as a writer, uh, really the only thing is a creative writing class. Get out there and you know write, what? you know, playwriting class. Yeah, that's good, but also read, and, and I tell you what, Brian Bendis put this out, and he's true. Read other people's scripts. That's why script books sell so well. Read, um, uh, like, uh, TV shows. Uh, what am I thinking of, guys? Um, when the writer writes a TV show, it's not called a, I guess it's a script or plot. Yeah, screenplay. Script yeah. You know, screenplay. I, yeah. screenplay. I've read Neil Gaiman's screenplays. You know, I've read Bendis' scripts. I've read, uh, Jeff John scripts I've read, uh, just just uh, Robert Kirkman's for Walking Dead. There's tons of script books out there. Look at them, read them. Look how they're setting things up. Look how they're breaking down. Look what they're offering the the artist. That's important. It's important to do the the screenplays. It's important to learn to write a story, but it's also very important to learn how to break it down for the artist too. If you're going to write comics. And really, other than the Cuber School, I don't know a whole lot of other school. Well, I take that back. Uh, there's the one in Atlanta. Um, Savannah. Yeah, Savannah. Savannah School of Art and Design. Yes, SCAD, uh, and Savannah College of Art and Design. Uh, is actually, Pennsylvania, yeah. Bill, Steve Bissett. Don't he teach at one? Um, there's one in Pennsylvania somewhere. Um, Steve Bissett teaches at. And then uh, Columbus. Right. Um, Joe Crony was teaching there, and right now Yuko Smith, our buddy Yuko, is teaching there. Mm -hmm. Really, uh, several of the art institutes, uh, they all have specific things, but some of them have specific courses geared more towards comic uh, drawing. You just have to find out which one of the art institutes it is. Right. You know, there there's hundreds of them around. You just have to pick the right one. So they're always pretty good. I mean, ultimately, you know, everyone wants to go to the Kubert School. Yes. But the Kubert School also costs, you know, buku amounts of money. So, you know, I mean, you get what you pay for, obviously. It's worth every dime, but, uh, you know, not everybody can pull that off. So, and, uh, you know, if you come down to it, just having to go to a traditional, you know, uh, city or state college. And there's... Just try to... Mm -hmm. No, it's because they just try to gear your courses towards what you want. You know, uh, if you want to be a penciler, well, you know, take a lot of straight drawing classes. You know, don't take, you know, sculpture and blah, 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 all this other stuff. Stick with drawing classes and really get heavy into your drawing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you can learn some things in sculpture. And you can oh, indeed, yeah. and uh, and I have. Um, 3D. Yeah. And also animation. Like animation. Luck, yeah. luckily now, a lot of colleges, a lot of just regular colleges have animation mm -hmm. courses and have those kind of more eclectic courses. Back when I was in college, not so much. No, you know, right. it, was, it was usually pretty. It's pretty straightforward. I, um, I I went to a community college, which was a two-year course, and now I was a graphic designer. That's why I yeah. trained in, but. What it gave me is a sense of balance, laying stuff out. Um, this is it's been a while. Um, we had to do six months on. We had to learn to run that printing press before we could move up to graphic design, because wow. their thing was you need to understand how the machine works before you would design for it. And I learned how to use a linograph machine. And this is this is as uh, the Radio Shack computers were coming out. Yes, that long ago. And uh, so the first computers were starting to hit. And as soon as I graduated, the first thing I invested in was a was one of the first PC computers. Because so I knew that's where it was heading. I knew this was, this, it was too cool. I had 12 fonts. 12 whole fonts. 
and only four sizes per font. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and that's press they printed the you know Guggenheim Bible on. So I think so. Yeah, right. <laughs> Isn't that the press that I mean, Moses did the tablets yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff. We did a lot of hand lettering, and we scanned stuff. I had a scanner, and scanned stuff in and placed it in. I would, you know, print stuff out, blow it up larger, scan it back in, have to clean up the rough edges. I mean, we did a lot of stuff back there then, but you learn balance. You learn how to lay stuff out, and that, that goes across whether you're drawing or anything. You want to balance or coloring. you got to learn to balance stuff out. To tell a story, you know. So, even then, you know, I was learning. So, but yeah, I mean, anything you can get art-wise, jump into it. Um, one of the best things, hook up with some other creators too, and play back and forth. Uh, you know, I do that now with uh, with the Ringtail Cafe guys, and you know, we play stuff back and forth on what we're doing. Bill, don't you have a group that you're talking to down there? Well, we sort of get together and just talk, but yeah. we, you know. No, it's not. It's it's more conversation than uh, comparing. Mm. I mean, I'll show my inks and stuff what I'm I'm doing, but um, I mean, I'd, ideally, if I had more people showing off stuff, then it would be more. Of a, but you know, I, for me, it's it's cool to just have that interaction because that spurs other. I don't know. It's sort of, sort of encouragement, mm-hmm. and Great. you know. Yeah, I'm kind of about the encouragement thing, so, you know. Yeah, you are. And yeah. most larger cities have, you know, like cartoonist groups. Mm-hmm. Oh, or, yeah. you know, like library library things that get together every now and then and just draw together or something like that. You can usually find that around some colleges, too. Right. Well, I think, I think Louisville together. has that, the Louisville cartoonist, cartoonist Society, which Indeed. is going to be it. I think they're one in Lexington, too, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, Bill's right. Uh, Ted Nathanson and his group will be uh, at Derby City. So awesome! You'll get to see him in all their glory. Um, the last part of that question: uh, alternatives to college um, correspondence courses. Um, I don't. Know, I would say any correspondence course you get uh, would probably be good, with the exception of the draw kippy people. <laughs> um, that's kind of a I, big honk of waste of money. I've seen the Joe Kubert one. It's expensive, but it's oh, good. It's very, very, yeah. it's very good, but it's very expensive. Um, but you know, and, beyond and, that, any uh, Bill, comics mentor, yeah, he will indeed. critique your work. Yeah. So it's don't yeah, forget actually, pros that we're working with here. Right. Well, I, I mean, I look, I had looked at before I, I you know, year, a few years ago. I I did some sort of research just to see how much of that kind of thing is available. And it is, there is, there are online portfolio reviews. I think, uh, one of them charged like a hundred bucks, a hundred bucks a page, some of it. Um, and these are, are people that, um, I won't say that they are. I know a lot of comic book people. Let's just say that I know a lot of artists, mm-hmm. but I didn't know any of them, <laughs> not any of them. And this was, you know, some of the newer people know I don't know yet. Right. But these are supposedly uh, seasoned veterans of the industries, including the comic book industry, and I didn't know any of them. Yeah, there's a couple of them out there doing art books, too, like that, and I'm going, who right. are and, they? And I'm not knocking them, and, and maybe they know their stuff, but and, and there are probably people going, well, who the crap is Bill Nichols? But, well, okay, not probably, but, yeah. But the... I mean, really, it's available out there, and Comics Mentor is no, no different. But I mean, that's a resource, and I, like I said it before, I'll, if it's just a quick look to, to maybe point you in the right direction, or if it, or whatever, I don't mind doing it. You know, I still have I have people doing it every week, and if it's something longer and it's going to be more time intensive, I mean, yeah, ten bucks, I'll do it for you. We'll we'll get you better, but. Uh, that's a resource. Use it. And, and you're not here to tell them how bad they are. I mean, we oh, no. we do this because we we do you do that. We do sketch. We do this podcast. We're going to start the new live thing because we want to see this industry continue on in its next phase. We want to see the young guys come in and get better. 
and produce. So that's what we're here about. You know, we're not here to oh take a shot at you. Here, pay me so I can sit here and take a shot at you. That's not. And I've seen those, so that's why I bring it up. Yeah, and that's yeah. that is true. I mean, yeah. I, I've seen it too, and I, that's not that isn't what I'm about. It's I just had a in the last couple of weeks I had a coloring one, and what I said corresponded with other things that have been said and it sort of helped whatever I said uh, however I phrased it maybe was the, the uh, it helped cement that a little bit mm-hmm. uh, yeah and you mentioned books and there's a crap load of books out oh there my so gosh. you know hit the bookstore hit the library go to bluelinepro.com there yes. are books a plenty out there to be had uh-huh. um, skipping right over the whole thing about training yourself to uh, draw on a that's just takes getting used to drawing table. Yeah, that's yeah. just just ain't nothing to it but to do it. As far as that is, and um, how to avoid health problems. Break my it. only opinion is get up every now and then, take yep. a break. Take a break. Plan on you know if you work a couple hours in the morning, take a long lunch, work a couple hours in the afternoon, stretching, yep. uh, take breaks, check out email, stay off Facebook. You get lost on there. Yeah. But you know. <laughs> Yeah, don't, you know, take a 15-minute break, and then you get on Facebook, and it's been an hour and a half. Don't do that. Yeah. But, you know, Become, break things up. Give your hands, give your body, give your mind a little bit of a rest. Become friends with an aspirin bottle. That's about yeah. all I can <laughs> tell you, you know. And that does it for our little Q&A of the questions of Thomas Cosby, other than the things that we need to answer specifically and on our own, which we will do yes. some other time. So uh, we want to thank... Tom, for those questions, and anything we want to, anything else we want to hit on before we move towards the end? I think we probably covered that email. How about you, Bill? Yeah, I yeah. think we did. Well, John, All right, cool. you want to catch us up on what's been going on over at Comic Related Sketch Blog? I can do that. Uh, it's a little bit brief because uh, we were, we actually did one of these not long ago, but I do have a few. Uh, speaking of brief, I have a brief history of comics. Uh, apparently a very, very short documentary that a young man did about uh, comics in a very simplified form, kind of just taking comics down to their most basic black and white ideals. After that, I'm looking at a book from Mark Schultz. Uh, We're doing a new thing on the sketch blog. Every now and then I'm going to hit on something new that is coming out of Blue Line Pro. Oh, and uh, one of those things is this art book by Mark Schultz, which we you will see the description and the cover. And if you follow the link, it will take you right to the page on Blue Line where you can purchase this lovely book. I was just and, looking at my copy of that today. It is so great. Oh, Mark is such and, a great artist. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, uh, he did uh, Xenozoic Tales, otherwise known Cadillacs and dinosaurs. Cadillacs and dinosaurs, exactly. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, beyond that, um, I did one on manga cell. Sh- uh, actually, it says sating, but that should be shading. I'll go back and fix that later. Uh, <laughs> it's shading, uh, shading using the manga studio pro software. Uh-huh. Uh, just a brand new way of uh, coloring. Uh, speaking of coloring, I have. One on adding digital color to a much more detailed painting. And then lastly, I have an interview with Tommy Castillo. Uh, Kind of irreverent, kind of brash. Uh, You know, a little bit of language in there, but the guy is uh, really funny and been around for a while. So check him out there. And that brings us up to date. Tommy is very been around like you said been around him and i hung out up at uh motor city con this spring talked for a while long while he's a different dude so he's definitely a different dude yes but Mm -hmm. um heck of an artist heck of an artist if he did do artist for our my competitor that's okay i let him know about every time i see him and we laugh so nice um but yeah bill what's going on over at the sketch community Um, and comic mentor uh, sketch community, there's a uh, again, there are people posting their art, which is pretty cool. Um, like I said before, there if you're a part of a community, whether it's a message board or just a forum or 
some, you know, because some comic book series have their own forum or companies have their own forum. But if you're in there and there's a, a way to be creative, whether you're showing your artwork or, or can help someone else with a, a positive comment or a maybe constructive criticism, that kind of thing, if you can help somebody else, then you know that can help you get some perspective on your own, you know, your own work, your own style, whatever. Um, and maybe somewhere out there you, you develop friendships and, and those things can back you up. So whatever forum you're on, and of course I'm on the comic related forum, be active or at least, you know, participate in some way maybe, or show some your stuff and get some feedback, positive or negative. Again, people that have used or have um, written me about comics mentor some of those people end up joining the forum some of the people off the forum you know come to comics mentor and say you know i i've got comments but everybody's too nice i've gotten that one <laughs> everybody's too nice uh, what's really what's you know what's what do i really need to do here and I, you know, if i see it i see it i'm not going to be mean right uh, that's not what I'm here for. And by now you should, you should figure that one out. Um, so, and, that, and that's the way that other people are too. Most of the time. I mean, I, I have seen there, there are a couple that are just, they're mean. I'm, I can't think of a name and I wouldn't say the name if I, if I had it, but uh, yeah, I read it and maybe it's nuts or bolts kind of stuff or, or technical stuff, but Sometimes the approach. Some people do need that shake up a little bit, but you walk a fine line sometimes if you're the person doing it. Because once again, some of those people that have done that, I never heard of them, right. and I'm, I, I have yet to see a published credit that they've done. Um, not to again to knock them, but if you know what you're talking about, there are ways to be instructive without being destructive. Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> Very good. That's a T-shirt. So I'm, I was about to say, put that a put that on something. You could sell yeah, it. Put on a T-shirt. Copyright. Yeah. Copyright. Bill Nichols, 2011. And trademark. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so that's on the, the sketchboard. Uh, again, there are you know they'll talk about movies, they'll talk about books, they'll show off their web comics or the the new comic book pages or the new projects and stuff, and they'll comment on stuff in the industry too. So that kind of helps me stay more current because um, there's so much out there and I you know I don't have a local comic shop to go looking through all this stuff so for me personally that helps me but it's cool to see uh, I've talked about Ralph before Vanderhoven he does daily sketches there's a couple other people who are trying daily sketches and that is you know that's that requires a discipline to do that and in doing that, you can you can get better. Um, look at your, the stuff that you did a month ago, six months ago. Can you see the improvement? You know, I talked about before. Uh, my friend Matt, when he started, um, he he started using the Burn Hogarth books because I was. Mm-hmm. And six months pass, and he's yeah, I I can tell a difference. Because I, you know, that was he's like, well, I, I'm, I'm looking at the stuff, and I said, well, look at the stuff you did, and we looked, we, you know, he had some around, and yeah, you can just del- definitely tell a difference in style and technique, and his whole thought process, and I've seen that in other situations too with other people. So keep up what you're doing, you know, keep at it, and that's a, that's a big thing, whether it's writing every day or drawing every day or as often as you can or if inspiration takes you um, don't deny that impulse and say well I'll just do it tomorrow Well, do it. maybe take a couple minutes to do it right now maybe that, that idea that you have right now is not one that's going to pop in your head tomorrow so you're going to have to go through the whole thing in your head of how you got to that idea um, and maybe you just totally forget it I'm, I'm bad about that sometimes so once again I'm talking to me first, <laughs> and if you pick it up, 
you know, if it benefits you, then all the better. Right. So, and that's the, you know, that's, again, that's the comics mentor approach. I don't talk, I don't, I don't preach the stuff to anybody but me. And if you benefit from it, great. You know, because I don't, like I said, I, I, I anticipate someone will go, well, who's he think he is telling me that to, you know, clean up my mess of my life? Uh, I'm not talking to you, buddy boy. I'm talking to me. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, cool. Why do you need a pod- Why do you need a website just to talk to yourself? Because sometimes he's talking to me too. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, and you know, himself. So right. and himself. Yes. And and sometimes and other are people are by other people, <laughs> yes. but very but much can, so. You know. Yes. It can be to me. Yes. And I wasn't. I, I wasn't specifically to you. That was to me. Yeah, but I feel like it, it was to me. Well, if, so. uh, well then, okay, okay, then that's on you, buddy boy. Yeah, I know. When he starts <laughs> calling himself <laughs> Bob, then you know you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, let me see. We've been discussing off off podcast here about um, sketch live chat. I have the number, so you don't have to write this down. This will be posted, but the number is going to be 218. Eight six two six seven eight nine. I sort of like that. It's pretty cool. Six seven eight nine. Um, I have a code for the first conference, but we're going to use it as a test code, so I'll have to have a new code for once we do this. We are shooting for next week. We do not have a date, exact date time, and we're looking at a good time that will work with Bill and John and everybody else because we've considered these calls could be here on East Coast or they could be West Coast, three hours difference. Um, so we need, or anywhere in the world, I guess. So we'll base the time on East coast time, knowing that West coast is three hours behind us. I know Bill runs a real early schedule. So, you know, we're probably talking eight ish or so, but we'll, we'll, we'll post this in the community. Chuck is creating our own area underneath the sketch board for, um, sketch live chat. Um, we will post the times will be posted there under each new, new topic. Um, there's some basic information you need to know about how Star 6 um, turns off your mics and your phones. You do need to call in. This is a conference calling. So, you know, watch your minutes. Make sure you've got unlimited minutes and make sure it works that way. I don't want anybody racking up bills because of this. This is just supposed to be informative. We will, re- we will be recording these and putting up MP3s or links to the recording. So if you can't call in, you know, then you can get online and listen to them if you're looking for information. So we're going to try this just, just to jazz it up. Um, I really enjoy doing the conventions and standing and talking about people about product and, and they're throwing questions and getting to answer them and stuff. So uh, I know Bill has enjoyed that over the years and John. So it's sort of a, we can't exactly do a con every week. Well, we could. John and Chuck's pretty much close to doing that. But this is a way for us to reach out to everyone and discuss. You know, we've tried, tried, tried to limit it to about a half hour or so. Um, we'll see how it goes. So, um, we're not dead set next week. We're going to try it. John and I and Bill need to work out some ends, our back end of it a little bit more. I was playing with it today. Um, but we will announce it on the community. Chuck said something about announcing it on Comic Related. And I will do an email through the Blue Line email. So, if you get our newsletter, it will be announced through there. So, what the actual date and time. So, that's where my end of it. Blue Line. Um, newsletter went out, had all kinds of cool new inking stuff in it. It was pretty cool. I'm working on the next one. Um, that's really it. Did I bore everybody? Not a bit. <laughs> all right. No, there's just so much information. Well, I'm just glad I have something now that I can talk about. You guys talk about the blog and the community. Community. Now I get to talk about live chat. Good thing I didn't have to write all that down. Don't have to write. It's going to be in the community. That's why I earlier talked to Chuck. And he's going to create our own little section there, just like he did with the podcast. And the number will be there. Every every conference will be there. And, you know, I, I'm i hoping it grows. I hope word gets out. It grows. We get to answer some questions. Like I said, we're going to limit it. We're not going to go on for hours and hours and hours because that's nuts. Um, you will be able to Skype in. We're not too sure how that's going to work yet. That's what John and I and Bill is going to work out, see mm-hmm. if we can see you if you Skype in. So, um so, if you're under 18, uh, ask your parents permission. Yes, please, please. We're not going to go over that kind of stuff every time. 
So, yeah. But, you know, this isn't a live line. We can't control other people, the way they talk. And it's not a podcast like that. I can sit here and edit myself. I mean, <laughs> edit stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, edit yeah. yourself would be the big one. Exactly. Um, but it should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm anxious to give it a shot. Um, if it works out, then we might start bringing in some artists to do some Q&A with them. So see what cool. this can evolve into. So, All right, guys. John, how can they reach you? Uh, just write me at sketchmagazine.net. I'll find it. John at sketchmagazine.net. That's right. John at sketchmagazine.net. If you don't know that by now, people, well, I, 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 get it I, together. I know. Every it, podcast, we have new ones. Believe it every podcast is someone's first. I know. Yes. But Yes. Then hopefully they go back and listen to all 40. Yes. I've actually found people in the last yep. week or so that that have said that. Yes, I have. Two of them at Charlotte that were newbies, and they were going through them and listening to them. So even the first ones are still getting listeners. So that's sort of cool. Um, Bill, how can they find you? They can email me directly at comicsmentor at uh, gmail.com and find me on the comic-related forum if they're a member. If not, join up. Yep. Or you can reach all three of us, send us the questions, uh, suggestions at podcast at sketchmagazine.net. That goes to all three of us. We all get it. We discuss what we get in the mail and sort of try to form these podcasts and hopefully the new live chat. So, all right, guys, I appreciate it. It's been great. Yep. See you next Thank time. You. All right. See you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.